1: Welcome to the 103rd episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers and I'm the host of this lovely, lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy, my good friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. How you doing, my man?
2: I am doing great. I am in the world of figuring out how to try to get Chase AEW figures. (laughs) I want this Cody one, but I was like, of course. So of course I'm like, I'll trade you my three. I have for Cody. And I'm like, ah, you don't, I don't know if I want to do that, but we'll see. Uh, it's just, it's just when you see them out there and you know, there's only a certain amount, you start getting antsy, you know, like, uh, but just like MJ, uh, MJF and Mox and all those, they all start off high. They all start off 500 to a thousand. As long as you don't buy them, Those prices will start to drop after a while.
1: Yeah, I I will say uh, Floyd, uh, after talking about that, uh, I think he talked about it on the podcast too, that that auction site that he's been on crazy recently, which he's been taking a break because, I mean, his bank account needs it. If he doesn't take a break, I mean, my God, how else is he going to be able to afford to go to AEW shows? But I tried to grab a couple of... uh, John Cena related stuff for my friend, who is a massive, probably the biggest John Cena fan I know, didn't end up working out, so I ended up was able uh, able to snag him, uh, his book, be a work in progress, and it was a signed copy, so he'll be getting this, I assume, in a couple days, hopefully he loses his mind, because, I mean it's, I really hope he enjoys it, but that's what I've been up to recently, and, like, that site, dude, it's a disaster, it's gonna be, like, I'm so glad you took a break from it, because I was getting a little worried after seeing all the helmets you got, there's so many.
2: Yeah, I have 10 helmets right now, uh, and, um, yeah, I am, I, I, I wouldn't even say this, I am very passionate about everything I get into, and once I start, like, I don't collect, a lot of things. I really don't. I don't collect a lot of things. Right now it's pretty much AEW figures, the random things I get from wrestling shows, and then I just started this mini helmet thing because I am a sports fan. I'm a sport uh, you know, a, a competitive sports fan, so big into football and I just realized I didn't have a lot to represent in my collections. I didn't have a lot to represent the fact that I was a sport uh, being a big sports fan. You, if you came into my room, you'd be like, "This guy only likes wrestling." You know, because <laughs> that's all I have. So I just wanted to, you know, add the variety. Also, I got—we sure. uh, live in a house now, and um, we got—we um, live in a house now, and I got my own office. And Hell I yeah. never really had my own space, and it's like really empty looking except for my work stuff. So I'm trying to fill it out with. Uh, you know, memorabilia and that kind of stuff, and basically look like a, like a big child's room. So that's what I'm going for. But yeah, I want to look crazy
1: for a couple. Yeah, weeks no, there. that's that's exactly the same kind of thing I want when I get my own place. Just, yeah. just something that's filled with wrestling shit and like music stuff, and like I want to be able to hang up all my vinyl records and stuff like that, like all my favorite ones and stuff like that, like an office room or something. But yeah, no, getting getting adult money is definitely the thing that helps us buy the i guess childish shit that we really love um but yeah uh
2: but indirectly uh i did do one thing i just want to talk about that made me happy my uncle who been my life my whole life he's like my favorite uncle he's he's a san francisco 49er fan and unlike me he's not crazy so he doesn't buy all the crap so he didn't really have any memorabilia so uh one first thing i was able to buy him a joe Montana fine uh, helmet and I put it in a nice case and all that stuff and I gave it to him and he really really was happy about it and really enjoyed it and I it, it made me feel really good that he liked it
1: yeah that's that's the same reaction I'm hoping for the guy that uh, the, uh, my friend who's a huge John Cena fan I'm hoping like, for the same type of reaction because he doesn't get I mean he's got a, a good amount of t-shirts uh of his and stuff but he's the type of guy when because all of his friends hate Cena, and then when Cena wins at a pay-per-view, he's always rubbing it in their faces. So I'm I'm hoping that I get that same reaction. But with this little fun little intro out of the way, talking about collecting, we got a lot to talk about on this episode of All Things Elite. We are just a little less than one week away from blood and guts, and we've got a lot of news to talk about recently involving... Other promotions related to AEW. Before we get into everything, though, we've also got the Dynamite review. As always, we need to make sure, real quick, that you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to podcasts, be sure to give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can also leave a rating and a review. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. That would be incredibly generous of you. If you want to support us in the smallest ways, you can also just support us by following us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that help make this show completely possible. I am at Number 4 on Twitter. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, getting into the big news headline for AEW in the week... We had the big Impact versus AEW match take place at. Was it? It was Impact Rebellion, right? I'm blanking on. Oh, yeah. Impact Rebellion.
2: It was Rebellion. Yeah.
1: Last Sunday. I almost blanked on the name. Glad I didn't. We had the big title versus title match between Rich Swan, Impact World Champion, and AEW World Champion Kenny Omega. And look. We all knew like something either happened to be had to be screwy or Kenny had to be walking out as the double champ, but also triple champ because of the AAA title, and that's exactly what happened. Kenny Omega continuing his quest to be the belt collector, grabbing the Infinity Stones and all of pro wrestling as the Thanos that he is. He is now AEW World Champion, Impact World Champion, and AAA Super Champion. This man cannot be stopped like literally all that's left for him now is new japan ring of honor and the all illustrious wwe and then he will have fully conquered the world of pro wrestling and at that point man just retire with all the belts because i don't know what else you could do but that match was crazy good the show itself too impact rebellion was a lot of fun I really enjoyed hearing Mauro Ranallo back commentating wrestling for the first time in nearly a year, I want to say. His voice is just so meant to be calling combat sports. And pro wrestling, dude, he's just so well at it. I got to say, his interactions with... Uh, with Matt Stryker as the comment- as the head play-by-play commentator, too. They bounced off each other really well. D'Lo Brown did really well as well as commentating. I got to say, man, the show was a lot of fun. The match itself was crazy. There were some very, very scary spots, I will say, as well, uh, in the Omega Swan match. Uh, very got scared for Rich Swan's safety uh, from multiple top rope spots. Uh, but I got nothing... But positive stuff to say. Um, congrats to Impact. I'm sure I didn't remember exactly what the buy rates were for the show. I know it was incredibly successful for them, though. Congrats to them. Kenny Omega, of course, being the badass, greatest wrestler of all time that he is. Dude, Floyd, thoughts, man?
2: All right. It was the third highest pay-per-view in Impact history. And that's including the Spike TV time. So that you know, that's good. Uh, the match in itself was great i think the story that they were trying to tell is that you know Kenny Omega's the stamina god and as good as Rich Swann is he had never had the go at the pace that Kenny Omega brought so in the last 5 or 10 minutes Rich Swann looked spent and i think that's the story they were trying to tell is that he just couldn't hang with Kenny Omega? I think he was just selling really well because if you know Rich Swan, he's an athlete, an extraordinaire. Oh, yeah. I literally saw him go 20 minutes, you know, at night in Florida, and I'm like, he was fine. So this match was only what 25 minutes. I, I doubt he was. I really doubt he was uh, t- uh, tired at this point or blown up. I just think you know he was selling. Uh, the dominant victory by Kenny Omega. I love the swerve that they gave us because they had two referees out there. So, in every every instance of two referees in wrestling history, something screwy ends up happening. Nothing really screwy happened. Aubrey, Aubrey stopped Kenny Omega from using the chair, and that was he, such a good and spot. And then he just beat Rich, o, bitch, Richard Swan. He was just better than rich swan so i i enjoyed that you know jbl is a wrestling god kenny omega is the wrestling god above all others he is he doesn't know how to have a bad match um he reminds me of Shawn michaels in that way uh very much so it's just I mean, you could put them in there with anyone, and they're going to have a good match. They're going to tell a story. And I think that's something that's lost on Kenny Omega. Uh, People out there that say this relationship is only good for any AEW and not Impact don't know what ratings are and what money is. Yeah. Because Kenny Omega brings both ratings and he brings both money. Now, I'll be honest. As a person that has liked the Impact for a while, I haven't. I'm, the thing that has kept me into it for the last few months is Kenny Omega on their channel. The thing that has got me to buy their pay-per-views is Kenny Omega being in their event. I am not the only one. The reason we're talking about Impact on an AEW show is because of Kenny Omega. Uh, so I don't know how this is not working out for them. The reason I tuned in to Impact this week was to see who was going to be the next challenger for Kenny Omega as he's going to be at their next pay-per-view in a six-man tag. It'll be, I believe, Eddie Edwards and Finn Juice versus Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers, if I understand correctly. Again, I might get that pay-per-view. Why am I getting that pay-per-view? Kenny Omega. If you don't understand how this is working for Impact, you don't understand business. Now, Impact has a job also. They need to build a guy that you can buy beating Kenny Omega. That's
1: their yeah, they, job. Yeah, they don't really have any guys right there, right now at this point for that. Dude, their world title
2: uh their world title with uh Moose, you know, Moose is kinda like they didn't put the title on them. There has to be a reason for that. Other than that, they don't really have anybody that screams flag bearer of our company. Uh, there's the Eddie Edwards of the world, the Eric Young who's injured now, uh, Big Cass, which is W. Morrissey, they you know, haven't had a chance to build him enough, Willie Mack, um, the people they have on the rosters are all good second title guys. They don't have a world champion. And I hope they get one. And I hope, you know, they build him up well enough to beat Kenny Omega and he can help them keep the audience they have. But right now they need Kenny Omega as far as in their men's division, because there's Kenny Omega and then there's everybody else. I honestly say Kenny Omega's on the first tier. He's on the God tier. I don't think they even have a second tier wrestler in that company and that's not an insult to any of them they're very talented wrestlers but they don't have that guy that you're going to say here's the ball run with it you're going when we start going back on the road you're the reason people are going to come to events when pay-per-views are on sale you're going to be the reason people buy pay-per-views they don't have that guy on their roster right now or they haven't built that guy on their roster right now I don't like I said I don't know if you agree with me but that's how I see it so I think anybody anybody that says this isn't working out for impact and impacts getting nothing out of it first of all i don't think you understand don Callis because don Callis wouldn't be doing something unless he was getting something out of it and i don't mean that in shitty uh shitty uh like character way i mean that as a professional wrestling entity he wouldn't be screwing over his company if he didn't feel he was getting something out of it so that's how it works so uh i like I said, I love this all. I love the match. I think they went out there and worked their asses off. Uh, Rich Swan. I knew they were going to put on a good match because Swan's a talented wrestler. I never thought Rich Swan was going to win. That was the. It was the little piece missing even from the match. They didn't. To me, their hope spots weren't very hopeful. It was just like I never thought that Kenny Omega was going to lose. Maybe that was the story that they were trying to tell. But uh, Kenny Omega belt collector,
1: yeah, and I can I can see people making arguments for certain guys on the Impact roster as somebody that could compete with Kenny Omega. I can understand like people putting forward their guys, but if yeah, if you're saying Impact gets nothing out of this relationship that they have with AEW and Kenny Omega winning their world title, they get nothing out of it. It's you're you're looking at this in a completely like like closed box or like in a vacuum because in reality the show was unbelievably successful people now are going to see impact's top title on a show that is on tnt not on twitch so that gets more eyes being like wait so if impact doesn't have a champion what's happening on their show if they don't have a world champion and then they check out impact so yeah i don't understand how people could view that but regardless we have another quick headline too regarding the belt collector kenny omega let me ask you this question who did Rich Swan win
2: the world title from? Oh, you, you're trying to get me on this right now because I don't know. <laughs> that, no, that's, what I'm, that's the point. That's the exact point. I don't even need to say who. That explains my point, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like when I say that there's not a champion of note, you know, to beat Kenny Omega. It was Eric Young. You, you, good job, but most people wouldn't know that or care.
1: Yeah, so it was, It was. he held it for, like, two or three months. Yeah,
2: it's just like, it doesn't matter. It was just like, oh. And it was like, everybody knows that he beat Moose to get to face Kenny Omega, but most people don't know who he won the title from, or that it was a year-long storyline where Rich Swann was supposed to, uh, his career was supposed to be over, and he came back courageously from an injury, and it was just like, it was great. I know this because you know I keep I, I I have my toe in the water of Impact. I pay attention. I don't watch every week. I don't, but you know I pay attention. But uh, yeah, I was just I, it was just a point that I was saying is that they have a lot of talented wrestlers. I am not taking that away from Impact, but there's a difference between being a talented wrestler and being the guy. And they don't have a guy right now. Their guy
1: is Kenny Omega. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I mean that's the 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 blunt and point of it right now. But going back to Kenny Omega and him being the belt collector, we got a new challenger entering for one of those titles because at the most recent Triple H show, Andrade showed up and he challenged Kenny Omega for his Triple A super championship at Triple Mania. So, Andrade has thrown his hat in the ring to try to get that belt off of Kenny Omega and yeah, I'm for that. I'm all for that. First off, I'm just happy to see this man like out of like the company that seemed to have like made him as well miserable and it seems like he's very happy that he got out, but now he's in a company where he can actually do a lot of stuff that he wants to do and now he's trying to get a match with the wrestling god so this is this is this is just great this is great and again you look at this when i talk about being
2: a guy or the guy right triple a you know didn't you know their tight ty- their top title the to mega championship is they don't use it to draw in essence they have triple trios matches tag team matches they do every other thing right but the Mega Championship, it's the wrestling title. That's yes. why Kenny Omega has it. He hasn't defended it very much. Andrade comes in. Boom. Hey, we're going to fight. And it's like, okay, let's go. And I'm very excited for that match. They just got a Triple Mania order right there. There you go. And they just got a triple mania order because, you know, as a person that does an AEW podcast, I do try to keep up with all things elite. Whoa, I used the title of the show right there. But, uh, no, uh, so I'm looking forward to this match because is talented. Nobody has ever questioned Andrade's bell to bell. They, I mean, it's going to be amazing. I'm like, I don't even want to put a – I'm not going to even put a. a thing, uh, put a – like suggested star rating on this because i don't want to ruin it i just want to enjoy the match but just know expectations on the performance of this match is going to be very high and i think the excitement and the buzz-o-meter is going to be going off a lot as we get closer to this match
1: absolutely i mean this is andrade's first big Uh, venture he's done since leaving WWE so this is huge he's come right out the gate I could be wrong and he's done some other uh, uh, promotions and he's done some other appearances um, since he's left WWE I could be wrong in that but in terms of high notoriety moves that he's made this is his first that he's made since leaving WWE and dude you can't make much of a bigger impact with Coming back into pro wrestling outside of WWE and then just being like, I want to challenge the man who holds three world championships in three separate companies. So,
2: exactly. And he's going to be like, he'll be over as the face in that match, no matter what the characters are, because, you know, he's, you know, from there and Kenny Omega's not. And Kenny Omega's playing this douchey, horrible person right now. So, I just think it's going to be a fun match. You get a dream match off top everybody's like oh andrade versus kenny omega you know and when andrade left new japan kenny omega wasn't booked as strong as he is was you know towards the end so it's almost like he's gonna face this new kenny omega for the first time this wrestling god kenny omega versus andrade or i think he's gonna go with idolo andrade which is the idol andrade but i don't know i don't know what they're gonna actually end up calling him i'm looking forward to it going forward uh the one thing about andrade charlotte got some stroke because she got her husband just straight released uh or fiance straight released and you know w didn't with no uh you know claws compete claws or anything he was just free to work That takes some stroke right there.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if the reports were that, like, she had to miss WrestleMania in order to do so, if that was, which I don't think that's the case, but that was, like, the whole thing was, the whole thing with that was that they misdiagnosed her pregnancy. There's so many rumors as to why she wasn't on Mania that, honestly, like, they're just all rumors. So take them all with a grain of salt. It's so
2: crazy because all those rumors out there, and she gets mad when rumors spread. She could just clear it up.
1: That's true. I mean, but
0: at the same time, though,
1: at the same
2: time, I'm not saying she should have to, but I'm just saying if I don't want rumors spread about me, I'm just going to tell people the truth.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> regardless uh, of whatever it was. Yes, yeah, she definitely had some big stroke of being like, hey, get my guy out of here so he can do what he wants. Yeah, and
2: that's so. And that's awesome. I, that's awesome that, uh, you know, people have that type of power because that's what it takes in wrestling. You, oh, yeah. mama, You have to have someone vouch for you that is undeniable to a point and you know he got his release and she
1: seems to be happy and he's happy and i'm happy for both of them mazel talks to them but regardless now we can get into the aew dynamite review this was the go home show I'm going into next week where we'll have blood and guts the opening match was the ftw champion the machine brian cage facing off against the number one ranked singles wrestler in AEW, Hangman Adam Page. And this match was a strong opening, but I think the biggest thing, honestly, is not even just talking about the match, but the fact that we were talking about for weeks, like, listen, Team Taz is like at the bottom of the food chain when it comes to the groups in AEW and the factions. They need some wins. They need to get something going. They need some of their guys to look strong. They need momentum. And we just got shut the hell right up because the number one contender... I guess for AEW's singles division, just got beat by Brian Cage. Hangman Adam Page gets upsetted by Brian Cage at the start of Dynamite. He hit him with a Drill City, Drill Claw City, got the pin, and it's man, it was literally Buckshot Larry gets countered into a power bomb and then a buckle bomb, then Drill Claw City, and then match is done. So. I guess the ideas or the responses that they were getting from, hey, Team Taz is in the dirt right now. Give them something. They at least gave them a shock victory over Hangman Adam Page, who, let's be honest, can take the loss. He's over as hell. And one loss against a guy like Brian Cage, I think, isn't going to take away any momentum from him. But it does at least give people to be like, hey, we finally got a high-profile win for a member for Team Taz. And you know what? I got no problems with this. I want this to lead to something, though. This just can't be one surprise win, and then all of a sudden they just go back to losing everything and then just being the worst, the the most underutilized group that they have. This has to lead into something. I feel like.
2: Tony Khan, confirmed listener of all things elite, because I've been bitching about this for like three weeks. <laughs> I was like, dude, they never Hi, win. Hi, Mister TK. It's cool. I'm glad you listened to us. But yes, they he they never won. Taz was a tiger with no teeth. He would come out there and cut these killer promos that everybody talked about. And then his team would lose anytime he was on TV. So it was like, uh, what, do you, what do you do with that? And TK said, you know what? I got you. I got you. Boom! Number one contender. And me personally... Adam Page against Kenny Omega at double or nothing felt a little soon to me since they had just wrestled it. uh, They had just wrestled in November at that pay per view I was at. What was it called? Full Gear. They had just wrestled at Full Gear. So it it seemed a little quick. And I was like, man, they should probably hold Kenny Omega versus Adam Page. You want to do that at All Out. You want to do that in Chicago in front of 10,000 people, right? That's where you want to do that match at, right? I mean, hey, Jacksonville is amazing. But if you somehow put that match off and with Brian Cage upsetting the number one contender, could we get the wrath of Cage against what? Against Kenny Omega? At, do, at uh, double or nothing, I'm, I'm down for that match. Them boys can wrestle, or, yeah. I c- or they could go somewhere else. But I'm just saying, maybe, you know, maybe Gift has a win. Let's let, let's let's have them winning. Let's hangman get really really frustrated. Maybe we do hangman versus cage rematch at double or nothing. But. Yeah, sure. This could go a lot of different ways. I mean, I'm just speculating here. Uh, This could go a lot of different ways. But I can honestly say, let's celebrate Taz. And they protected him. They did what Taz was supposed to do. They ganged up on him before the match. Brian Cage hits him with the powerbomb. Okay, Hangman is decimated. And, of course, you know, you got to go into a match with Brian Cage 100% or you're going to lose. And that's what happened. He wasn't 100%. He lost referee asked could he go and he went because he's the hangman and of course he's not gonna not go so maybe when they wrestle next time the dark order's out there you know to protect hangman or whatever they gotta do but I just thought this was freaking brilliant because in wrestling sometimes you just want to be shocked and you were shocked and that was great and most importantly is that we don't get a lot of spoilers from AEW which also makes me happy.
1: Yeah, well it's like when you think about it at least in terms of wrestling um upsets while uh, while being a thing for like babyface is for like being the kickoff like the like the pinnacle of what the storyline is building towards for for an underdog babyface to upset the main champion and stuff like that. That's not really an upset cuz that's what we're building towards. Getting these like shock upsets though makes it feel a lot more just like I want to say, just not, not chaotic, but just more of an actual fight situation. And again, it makes Team Taz look a lot more form- formidable because they jumped Hangman, they got the better of him. Made because they weren't, he wasn't expecting it, so he made the decision to keep fighting instead of being like, "No, nah, I call this match." They jumped me. We got to do this match into the time. So, like Taz, Team Taz, and Brian Cage took advantage of it. So, but. I don't have an issue with this at all. I want to see this go somewhere because we were looking for team Taz to get some sort of push or some sort of momentum after just doing pretty much nothing in terms of getting wins or anything like that. So this needs to be the kickstart for something for them, uh, whether they continue to feud with hangman, whether they go for the AW world title, doesn't matter what they end up doing or if they go for the TNT title or something like that, regardless this has to be a launching point for Team Taz to get some momentum going. So I'm glad we got this, though. I'm glad we got this. I'm very happy for this. And Hangman's gonna be fine. He, the dude's over as hell. He's gonna be fine. Absolutely. But now, absolutely. oh, go ahead. I was just saying, absolutely. I was agreeing. All right. After this, we had a promo of eight of basically the elite, AW World Tag Team Champions, Young Bucks, and AAA Mega Champion. AEW and Impact World Champion, Kenny Omega, with Good Brothers and Don Callis in a limousine as they were talking about how they were in this now because, like, you guys destroyed our our private our private trailer, Moxley and Kingston, you rammed your truck into it, and Kenny Omega's just being, like, taken off his glass and be like, look at me in the eyes right now. I am not afraid of you. And then Michael Nakazawa in the front seat honks the horn and everyone's like, ah! Ah! like just screams bloody murder and water flies out of their drinks and stuff. like that. he's like, Michael Nakazawa, just like, I hit the wrong button. And that was hysterical. But then he goes to Eddie Kingston, goes like, listen, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. So Eddie Kingston, you want me, you got to go through our goons first. So you get Michael Nakazawa tonight. Have fun with that. And I just was like, well, they just sent Nakazawa to die. I don't really have any feelings towards it, but I see we're seeing a man die tonight. Okay, that's fine. But this, this little promo was pretty funny, though. I enjoyed this.
2: My favorite part, uh, my favorite part is not going to be anyone else's favorite part. My favorite part is that they, he called them goons. It's, oh, yeah, yes. that
1: they're just literally, they're literally just the goons.
2: yes. He called them goons. Like, everyone knows they're goons, but no one ever calls them goons. They're my friends. They're like, no, he's like, you are relegated. You are goons. You are my bebop in Rocksteady. I am throwing you out there to get your ass whooped, to stay away from me. You know, they got to beat my underbosses before they get to the big boss. I love that. It was just such a... It was such like a video game kind of thing. He actually called them goons. Who who have you ever you heard that like used in wrestling? Where you know everyone knows they're goons, but they actually call them goons. I I don't know. I appreciated that more than anybody ever ever probably would. But it was just funny. He was like, "Go goon for me right now," you know. It's like Brandon Cutler, two check Cutler. Go make your go make your second check. Nakazawa, you're getting two checks too. Go make your second check. You know, get 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 beat up by John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And the freaking ultimate bad guy that is Kenny Omega. I am going to break your friend's leg if you don't give me what I want. He know what is he knows what he was getting he was getting himself into. Oh my God. That was so <laughs> evil. If Kenny Omega, if, let's say he wasn't just being a straight heel, that would have been his heel moment. <laughs> he just like he oh yeah, getting his into. too. He's like he's gonna let his friend get his leg broken so he didn't have to go out there and face Mox and Kingston. That was
1: brilliant, brilliant. Oh yeah, it was. We'll amazing. talk even we'll talk even more about that segment in, in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yep. We then had the AEW World Tag Team champions, the Young Bucks, taking on Matt and Mike Seidel, the Seidel brothers. And this was, again, a strong match. These two teams are incredibly high-octane, incredibly fast offenses. Um, I especially loved, for absolutely no reason, we got a fucking uh, Johnny Cage-esque nutshot from Matt Jackson as he nails one of the Seidel's in the nuts, and then stares in the camera with his mouth wide open as he does it. It was so good. Yep, did it on Mike Seidel, got the BTE trigger, beat the Seidel's for the win. Diabolical heels, those young bucks are. uh, Wearing the most ridiculous leather jackets and such down to the ring. So much so that it gets the attention of one Seth Rollins. Because, of course, that's a thing.
2: Yes, uh, it was... They've wore two Seth Rollins-like jackets, and he's like, I'm glad, uh, Seth Rollins said, I'm glad my jacket was able to go through the visible door. I am one of those people. I don't pay attention to that stuff like that, so I never even got the comparison that they were wearing jackets like Seth Rollins uh, until, you know, people started putting them side to side. And I was like, oh, my God, those young bucks are going heel Seth Rollins right now which is amazing. Uh, and I love the way they played this up and how they played up heels. And they almost, when they become hills, they almost make fun of themselves as faces. Like, oh yeah, we gotta come back. And they're like, oh my God, they can barely make the tag. And it's just such a douchey thing to do. I can honestly see them getting cheered more doing their act now like this.
1: Which, yeah, which I mean, like, it's funny too, because I remember being at Revolution where the Young Bucks were technically still the babyfaces. I mean, they still played very heelish in that match, despite the fact um, they were they were kind of tweening a little bit. Uh, but they were getting booed like out the building compared to Kenny and Hangman. But yeah, I could I can see a uh, full crowd being like, "Yay, snarky, uh, Marky, Young Bucks! I like this."
2: Absolutely, I just feel like people are going to eat it up once they get running back in front of full crowds. Uh, um, you know, um, the stadium, uh, the stadium there. They had an MGK, MGK concert, Machine Gun Kelly, for all those people that might not know who that is. And they're uh, he
1: got powerbomb by Kevin Owens once on Raw. That's how did. you know who he is. But they did a full crowd,
2: like no mask. They did the full thing, and you know, I haven't heard any like big breakout from it so i'm thinking if they're doing those kind of concerts the idea of a full capacity double or nothing doesn't seem
1: out of the question well i mean you had the texas rangers doing a full uh capacity crowd for their games which i gotta say man love that the state of texas is showing love for minor league baseball teams
2: ah that's me that's mean they, <laughs> uh, they just beat my beloved red sox three out of four games in this series so Oof. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good series for my beloved Red Sox.
1: I mean, look, man, the Tigers are getting killed by the Yankees as we speak. So I, I got nothing much else to say. I got to take pot shots where I can.
2: Yes, I've been a diehard Red Sox fan since March sixteenth, and uh, yeah, it's been a, a pretty good ride so far.
1: It's not been bad for y'all, but going out of this match though, which was really strong, we had after the match is over. SCU's Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels comes out and is talking about the brand new Young Bucks that we seem to have seen because the one thing that hasn't changed out of all of this is that they promised last December next time that CD and Christopher Daniels lost as a tag team it would be the end of SCU the end of them tagging together but they've been undefeated since then And now we're the biggest threat to those titles on your shoulders. So Christopher Daniel goes, I look at these young bucks right now and I don't see my friends anymore. Your attitudes suck. We're number one contenders now. We're taking those belts from you. So we're getting uh, former friends going after each other and possibly the end of SCU. Uh, because i don't see young bucks losing to scu uh for this but i love i love seeing those two back on tv i love scu i love every member of them and yeah i'm i'm all for this match for the tag titles but it may it's gonna be the end of scu it's a shame it's it's been such a good run with scu
2: i mean it's this thing called heat uh it's joe Lanza. From voices of the wrestling says this thing called heat, and young bucks need heat, and a great way to give them heat is for them to retire a beloved tag team. Now, now I I I can see this. You know, I, I'm looking forward. You know, I'm looking forward going uh, ahead. They lose Kazarian's not with Daniels anymore. Maybe Kazarian and Christian form some kind of line. Yeah. I can just see that happen because Christian's kind of been on his own right now. So maybe, you know, Kazarian Christian have each other's back. I'm not saying be a tag team, but, you know, have each other's back in this crazy world we call the AEW. Uh, but, you know, uh, I am looking forward to it. I think that SCU versus uh, Young Bucks match uh, is going bang- to be just going to be straight just a banger. It's going to be a amazing because if you think about it SEU's going out on the end and they're going to try to go out with the greatest tag team match you've ever seen in your life.
1: Yeah, I got nothing bad about that. There was a short Jade Cargill video package that aired pretty much saying the same stuff she said last week about how managers want to sign her but they want a percentage, it doesn't work like that. She's that bitch cuz She's she's sticking on her own guns unless some manager impresses her. It's just another simple uh, little video package.
2: And did, I did. I gave my prediction last week of who who's going to be right, or did I not?
1: I think you. Oh god, i might, I think you might have said it, but I. I'm going to say I, it I've again, forgotten. and I'm going to say it until they announce her manager.
2: It's going to be Thea Trinidad, aka. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Selena Vega. I've. I literally. I listen to a lot of shows. have not heard anybody else make this guess. So, once it's her, I don't want anybody to You know like, it's her. I'm going to do know the it's, victory it's a, who said it? You know who said it. I'm going to get my victory laugh. You're going to hear horses galloping as I do my victory lap. If I'm wrong, I will never speak of it again.
1: Yeah. Well, so nothing to lose on this little prediction. We then had Pente El Zero Miedo with Alex Abregentes. Uh, on his side, who I will say once again is eating up every single second he gets on TV doing this, versus freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy with Trent of Best Friends on his side. This match started off with typical Orange Cassidy trying to put his hands in his pockets, Penta not allowing it, doing zero miedo to him. Uh, it threw his glasses to Trent, who completely missed the grab and just stood there was just like, well, I guess they're not in my hands, so they're just going to go ahead and sit on the floor now. Uh, these two went at it. It's been so so much fun to see Orange Cassidy just really develop himself out of, of his character, of still being the guy that's the wrestling sloth that he is who doesn't try. But man, once he gets going, dude, nobody can do it better than Orange Cassidy. Penta's unbelievable as well. This match, of course, ended once again with Alex trying to distract... Uh, Penta's opponent. He tried to distract Orange Cassidy. He then proceeds to take Penta uh, uh, Alex's microphone. He takes his microphone and Penta with it while the referee isn't looking and gets the win over Penta. So Alex kind of screwed Penta over with that one. I really enjoyed this match. I love the pairing of Alex and Penta. They are so great. I will praise them all the time. And I got nothing but good stuff to say as well about Orange Cassidy. This was a very, very strong match, I feel like. And, yeah, I don't really know exactly where we go from here. If we go anywhere from here, that is. But I'm I'm very happy to see the entirety of Best Friends, including Trent, Chuck Taylor, and now the newly added uh, Chris Statlander of Best Friends. I love that they're all back on TV again. I want to
2: say I didn't like Penta losing so early. I would have liked I would say
1: yeah, with how well that's the one thing I got to say too. It's like I was surprised by the uh, finish. Yeah, I didn't want him
2: losing so early. I do want him to lose. I'm not like saying he should never lose again, but they had just gotten over Alex getting physically involved in that match. So I would have liked, you know, for him to piss off people a little bit more before, uh, b- before he actually someone got their comeuppance against him, Alex Abriendes, I finally realized what he is. He is basically me if they let me manage Cody.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, he's, that's it. that's he's it. He's so
2: over the top and just like so in love with Penta, <laughs> it's a crush just it's being a, able to be his be yeah, his yeah. Yes. be his English mouthpiece. Yeah, he's a, he's a fan and he's like I mean Penta is probably not as harsh as Alex Abrahamontes when he gets on there and I love it and it, it, it like I said it's funny as much as you pay attention to the fact that Alex Abrahamontes is having this amazing time It doesn't take away from Penta's charisma and talent. It's like it's exactly what somebody as big a personality as Penta represents needs to show how big his personality is. And I loved it. Like I said, you know, you're not going to always get every result. But the thing about it is I give AEW the benefit of the doubt because they long term book. So, this is leading to something else. But, good. yeah, it's like in my stomach, like that first initial reaction. Why did Penta lose so early? You know, he could have lost next week or whatever, but why did he lose so early? But that was my only thought. It was, a, it was a very fun match. I have, Orange Cassidy very much has his style. And this is what I'll tell everybody. You can do five moves and have a five moves to do. Everybody can have it. It's how you represent that five moves of dooms and put it out there. If, as long as you find creative ways to mix those moves in and high spots in, you could pretty much have the same match and then just find a different way to in- introduce it. Orange Cassidy Pentagon—they're very much. Hey, you know you're gonna get—you're gonna know you're gonna get Superman punch, the pocket thing. You can you can name all the things you're gonna get from Orange Cassidy, but he does a good job of mixing it up and keeping it entertaining. Pentagon, you know you're going to get Sarah on or he takes off the glove and throws it, and you, you know he's going to try to do the arm breaker thing, and all the moves he does. But they mix them together so well that they keep it entertaining. So it's like this is something I've seen in other places. You know, like people have their, you know, their shtick, and they just go out there and do it. You can do that. But there's an entertaining way to put it all together. And I think O.C. and Pena did a great job of putting it together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We then had a short little interview with one Dr. Britt Baker with Tony Schiavone, talking about how she is now the logical, respected number one contender of the women's division, thanks to the uh, wins and losses ranking. So she says it's time that we remind her champion the champion of the women's division, why she's the face of the women's division. Quick little promo with her, building up to when Britt Baker eventually challenges Hikaru Shida for the title. I'm all for that. But unless, Floyd, you have anything to say, we can quickly get to the parlay.
2: I'm looking forward to Britt. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. No, just let's go. Britt's the girl. Let's make it happen. It's time for the parlay, though, for Blood and Guts, the inner circle and the pinnacle face-to-face. Bodyguards on each side, they made this huge inner circle riding out on Harley's, like like I said, security guards and bodyguards all over the place for both teams. Tony Schiavone in the middle of them. We all know how this works for Blood and Guts, a.k.a. War Games. Two rings, starts one-on-one. Every two minutes, another man enters into the ring, alternating until all members are in. To this night, though, was when they found out who would be getting the advantage and who would be going two-on-one against the other team. Sean Spears gets on the mic first, warning all the members of the inner circle how your leader is leading you into some very deep waters. Sammy Guevara, sticking by his best friend's side, his Lessex God's side, says, you know what? No, because I don't believe you. Ever since you came to AEW, Sean, you've been a complete failure. And on May 5th, you're going to fail again. Sammy's talking about he doesn't care what the advantage is. He doesn't care who he's got to fight. You want the advantage? You got it. I'm going in first. So Sammy Guevara says straight up, he's going to start off for the inner circle. Which, fuck yes, dude. This move by Sammy is so, so good. And I think it's a great job to get him over being like the Iron Man, I suppose, for the team, for the inner circle. Cash Wheeler got on mic it soon talking about how Santana and Ortiz, they better not take those soft versions of themselves at Blood and Guts, because if they do, they'll never make it out. Dax Harwood got on the mic as well, brought up uh, Santana and Ortiz's uh, families, and they, Santana got pissed and got on a mic got on mic and just started like threatening them. MJF and Jericho going back and forth on each other too. They killed it. This this whole segment was amazing. And also remember, I need to stress this too cuz nobody got physical at all. They had all the posturing like everything was going to blow up with all the security guards and all of the high pandemonium going into this and how like it was literally a kettle ready to blow. But they didn't get physical. They just went at each other with vicious promos. MJF and Jericho head to head as well. They just traded crazy good promos. It's I'm so fucking hyped for this match, dude. I'm dude, so hyped.
2: I think I think they're gonna break the dynamite record. I totally they're a
1: hundred percent. I think they're gonna break the
2: the that first week record. I think I th- I'm calling one point five on this one. Uh just the lineup and everything that's with it. It's gonna be amazing. This is this is the match beyond. This is war games. This is blood and guts. This is everything. This is I mean, even the name's a direct shot at Vince McMahon. Uh, you know, it's it, it, but this this promo section, uh Jericho, MJF, you know, uh I want your spot, you know, you know, and it's uh you know, um, you had Sean Spears actually getting the talk, and he doing it well. And I, I tell everybody, I'm just like, I, I, and, I, and I will go off on this tiny tangent. You cannot base how good a wrestler is based on how he was booked at another company. Yeah, no. You cannot. You cannot call Sean Spears a jobber because he was booked that way at another company. It's just, it, to me, it makes no sense. It's like saying, "Oh, you know, you know, Brad Pitt was in Brad Pitt was in Thelma and Louise, and he was just this vagabond dude that ended up robbing them, right? Well, he can't ever be a star because he was a vagabond in that movie. No, 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 no. you can <laughs> you can go to a completely different employee, a completely different project, and they book you a completely different way, and that's what Sean Spears is, and it's just." He's being booked a different way. He has won most of his matches in AEW. I think he's only lost like three times in his whole time in AEW. He is booked strong. He is in this group. He might end up being a pin eater eventually, but he is in this group. He can promo. The dude is good looking. Just look at him. I mean, if you're objective, he is objectively good looking. <laughs> it's like the dude is. He has everything you want in a wrestler, except that he was booked poorly in the WWE. That, yeah. that's, that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's really it. <laughs> like, he has everything you want. It's like you're building a wrestler. 6'4", 230, solid muscles jacked, not an ugly face, where it can rock a suit. Everything that you would check on the list has really good matches. It's not like this dude is shit in the ring. You would, you would, you would end up describing Sean Spears when you're describing your prototypical wrestler, but because he was booked badly somewhere else, nah, I can't get behind the guy. He's a, he's a jobber.
1: Yeah, no, it's like
2: I, I, I just, I just want to point out how weird someone uh, person's thinking of when you think of that. He fits here. You know he's a different character. He's a different person in this company. And I, 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 you know, when he cut that promo, you just heard the passion. How how he's been waiting his life to sink his teeth into something to be given the ball. He's got the ball because you're one of the five men on each side of this. You have the ball <laughs> right now, and literally they're putting the ratings and the fate of AEW. Uh, in your hand because anything less than 1.2 this week I personally think unless there unless there's some kind of political disaster or whatever you know unless something big happens and that draws eyes away from it but right now anything less than 1.2 is going to be considered a disappointment to me
1: yeah and again I think that it's truly going to be the case for AEW where like this show especially because we learned a lot more about the show, which we're going to talk about how we very much found out on this episode of Dynamite that this was not going to be a one-match show like we thought it was going to be. We're getting more there, and we're going to talk more about that uh, coming up later in the show, but yeah, this 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 episode of Dynamite is going to do gangbusters. There's no question about it. It's a very strong chance that it will be the highest-rated Dynamite uh, in its history, but we will see exactly how the numbers go that way, we can get quickly into the continuation of what we saw from the limo. We had Mad King, Eddie Kingston versus Nakazawa, which he didn't want to be a part of this. Eddie Kingston calls out Kenny Omega immediately, tries to tell him, like, I don't want Nak, I want you. And he's like, too bad, you get Nak. Nak tries to get him with a laptop from behind Kingston then just quickly elbows him in the back of the head and then proceeds to hit him with an exploder, then a back fist, and then grabs a chair and is going to break Nakazawa's ankle. He's like, I will break it unless you get in the ring, Omega. And he's like, no, okay, you know what? You know what? He knew what he signed up for. And he's like, you know what? Kingston, uh, Brandon Cutler, come out, like, help him out, help him out. Cutler flies through the entrance ramp, and he's like, the fuck? And all of a sudden, it's John Moxley jumping Kenny Omega puts him in a sleeper. Kingston gets a chair on Omega's ankle. Then Don Callis is all of a sudden like, "Hang on, hang on." And Kingston's screaming like, "I will break his ankle unless you give me what I want." Don's like, "Okay, okay, okay." He's like, "What he's like, I want a tag match against Omega." He's like, "Fine. Omega and Nakazawa versus Kingston and Moxley next week." He's like, "There we go." So this was one of the matches that we get announced on the Blood and Guts show that will not be the Blood and Guts match. We get the tag match between Kenny Omega and Nakazawa versus Kingston and Moxley. So this segment was a lot of fun. Oh I me. Mean, Although uh, the match it,
2: I'm not sure. It's it's set up I mean, uh Kenny Omega is Shredder and uh and Crane is um <laughs> good Lord Don, Don Callis. Callis. Yes. It's just you, you just got these bosses, and, you know, Kenny Omega uh, got caught, and it's like, okay, Don Gallows is like, okay, he's valuable to me. Knock his oh, you can break his leg. But you can't break Kenny Omega's leg. It's like, that's my money. No. So, yeah, you can have what you want. They could have named it. And, yeah, it was kind of a perfect segment. I loved Eddie Kingston ba- was a bad guy, you know, So he knows the bad guy tricks. So he's not gonna fall for. He's not gonna play stupid face because you know, he he was a bad guy. You know, and I I like that they play on almost his uh, future past character that he's gonna stay a step ahead of you. He doesn't. Oh yeah. He's like we're not doing this sports entertainment shit. Eddie Kingston takes more shots at the WWE than anybody
1: anybody more than anybody
2: yes and he does it in such a way with that gravelly voice that you never question it because you're a little afraid to question it but uh yeah it was good.
1: you're not gonna question him you're just not going to
2: yes you're not gonna question him and i just thought the segment was perfect for the characters of moxley and kingston because they represented who they are they are straightforward they are the hammer They're they're not coming at you with a precision strike. They're coming straight at you just like that truck into the trailer. You know what? We don't got time for the bullshit. We just want to fight. And I dig it.
1: Absolutely. Then we had Taz getting interviewed backstage by Tony Schiavone. Um, That was when Christian Cage comes out and he addresses Taz and how Taz was having issues with Christian Cage not joining Team Taz. He talks about how Taz talks a big game, but you back it up, you surround yourself with Team Taz, because like, basically going after and being like, you, you don't do this anymore, I still do this, and in order to still feel like you're a part of this, you surround yourself with some of the best wrestlers in the world and then just start celebrating like it's your victories, so he's not going to let Taz leech off of him, so send Team Taz after me one by one, and they'll learn a lesson, and they better learn before it's too late that they'd be better off without you. Crazy good promo by Christian. Just like kind of just going at Taz's soul with this promo. Like I really enjoyed this promo from Christian.
2: Christian's promo style is not going to ever be considered the greatest in wrestling history. No. It's just very simple. Like he having a conversation. He's very calm about it. And he's telling you what's going on. And what his next objective is. He's not going to be the rock and stone cold. But when you're done with a Christian Cage interview, you're not questioning where he is in his story. He completely broke it down. It seems the feud is going to be Team Taz versus Christian Cage right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's the focus right now. Especially just because they want to give Christian something to do before he eventually after the AW title like they teased before so they're giving him some more stuff to do before that eventual moment but yeah it seems like that's what they're going with I want to get into the next match was honestly the first appearance of Penelope Ford in quite some time as she faced off against Chris Statlander because they had issues uh, with the arcade uh, match between uh, Miro and Kip Sabian and best friends so they had a little bit of a situation to deal with uh, Chris, uh, of course, Kip Stabian was on the outside for this and she was able to, uh, be able to kick, keep it in for a little bit. Uh, I don't really have a ton to say on this match. It was a win for Chris Statlander getting back her wins, uh, since she's been away. And I do like how, uh, now that Miro has pretty much separated himself from Kip and Penelope Ford and is no longer doing stuff with him, I do like the idea of like Kip and Penelope kind of struggling right now because they were at the high high moments of getting married on AEW Dynamite and Miro was their best man, yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden best friends try to ruin it and they do ruin it and then they try to get back at him. It doesn't work and then all of a sudden now Miro's done with Kip Sabian and all of them. Doesn't want to be a part of it, so they're kind of falling downhill a little bit. I like that they're like kind of like they were they were killing it for a while, but then they start going back down. But other than that, I don't have a ton to say about this match. I just I'm happy Chris Statlander's back, and I want to see her continue to do more. But like that's just what I'm seeing right now, and it's gonna. I just want to see exactly what the future exactly is for Kip and Penelope because I think with the downward spiral that they're going right now. Like, it's it's got to go, it's got to be something that they end up making happen. But, like, it's, it's, don't really have much to have left to say on this match, really.
2: The thing with uh, Penelope is uh, everybody's coming back. And it was, yes. like, so she got elevated for a while when the roster was thin. And it's, like, now everybody's coming back, so they're kind of putting her back. Kind of in her previous position, her and Kip were like a lower mid-card act. That's what they were before, you know, the pandemic happened. They were a lower mid-card act, and they kind of got elevated. Now they're just going to be kind of, looks like they're going to kind of be support for Miro. And Kip is going to be Miro's kind of whipping boy. But in this case, it was just, you know... Chris Statlander's a better wrestler than Penelope Ford, and that's what the match was told. Chris Statlander came back to get her revenge because she got hurt in a match with Penelope Ford. Again, AEW with their long-term storytelling, nothing happens for no reason. Even this little throwaway match, there was a reason for it. There was a reason Chris Statlander wanted it. There was a reason she went so hard and it's it it is really established. they're really going about their way of establishing Chris Statlander as you know um you know as someone higher up in the women's division
1: yeah and i i really do like how like her position now with as pretty much a permanent member of best friends i think it gives her a lot more stuff to do and i think it helps really solidify her as like a huge presence so i'm all for, i'm all for that really but we gotta talk about what would happen next, which is the trio's tag match between the Nightmare Family and the Factory. The natural Dustin Rhodes, Billy Gunn, and Lee Johnson versus QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Nick Camarado with a certain Anthony Agogo at ringside. Now, this has to do with the Nightmare Family. And also, we got a pretty big moment from this. So, Floyd, do you want to take control of what happened exactly in this match? Okay. So, the match is just a match. Six-man tag.
2: They got through. Anthony Gogo hit, uh, I believe he hit Billy Gunn and Lee Johnson in the ribs at some point. And they get rolled in. QT gets the pin uh, after the punch. That that was great. I thought this match was exactly what it was supposed to be. QT's the godfather, mafia boss type of this group, and of course he takes all the credit for all the work of his young people. Anthony Agogo, they've done great things to get the punch over. But then, as as they're fighting, because um, the, the both, gun kids come out, the gun kids jump in and they jump on. I believe uh, Solo or. or they jump on QT and then Camarado jumps in to tries to save him, and I think Camarado hits Dustin with a cowbell. And um, QT is like, "I'm out of here," you know. You know, y'all, 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 young kids, take care of that. Like, like, So he goes to the Nightmare Family bus, which they had stolen before the match. They showed up in the Nightmare Family bus, and he goes to open the door. And I mean, everybody on TV saw who was standing in the door. In his nightmare family jacket that you only can get until you know i guess if you're listening to it today 12 o'clock today on uh uh, shop com is the nightmare cody rhodes who starts whipping the shit at a qt and he starts running and he starts running and he runs on top of the bus and and this is so like this is so over the top this is so cody that it's crazy he gets him on top of the bus now at a certain company, someone would be flying off of this bus in a very fake-looking fall. No, Cody's pissed. He wants to hurt QT. So he throws him in a figure four on top of the bus. Completely unnecessary because, you know, this is not a match. There's no tapping out. He just wants to hurt the man. You hurt me. I'm going to hurt you. Uh, this He puts him in a figure four on top of the bus. None of his boys can come help him. This was a great match.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge moment for Cody to come back finally, considering his family was really just doing all the work to try to deal with QT and his Factory Boys, and he was just kind of off and wasn't really coming out to help him out. So the fact that he's returned is huge. It really ignites something in this feud between QT between the Factory and the Nightmare family. It finally gives it that that push that it needed having Q, uh, Cody show back up. And yes, while the figure four on the top of the bus doesn't really do any extra damage because a submission on top of a bus doesn't really make it extra painful. I do like what you said. They couldn't get to him. I do like that little push, that little play. I do like that. Um, although I would have liked seeing QT fly off the bus. That, that's just me. Regardless, it finally gives me uh, excitement for this feud. It finally gives me something to latch on and having Cody finally come back to get his revenge on QT after talking a little bit on the promos uh when he was doing uh, promos leading up to uh the house always wins I'm I'm all for having Cody back it just does good things for this feud it's nothing yeah. I got nothing else uh, bad to uh, say uh, about uh,
2: it I mean it gives this feud juice it makes you care Exactly uh I, uh I have a little prediction I think this ends with Anthony Agogo versus Cody at double or nothing
1: I'm all for that, too. Yeah, yeah and it's I, like I, they've – yeah. that seems the the logical conclusion, yeah.
2: Yeah, I thought it was going to be uh, – uh, I thought it was going to end up being Cody and QT at there. Um, uh, I thought it was going to be Cody and QT, but, you know, we're going to find out about that. They're giving us that match next week. And I was like – I knew because to me the whole Nightmare family versus – uh the family I felt like it was to get two people over it was to get Anthony Agogo and Nick Camarado over you know QT's not getting over I mean he's just you know the face for them so I just think that's what it's going to end with
1: all right well uh we've of course got Uh, our main event to talk about, but we also have a big announcement that Dynamite made on this show, which was the fact that not next week for Blood and Guts, but the week after Blood and Guts on Dynamite, we are getting Jon Moxley defending the IWGP United States Championship, and it's going to be against Yuji Nagata making his Dynamite debut, which is fucking huge. I'm all... I'm... All kinds of excited for this match. The fact that we're going to see the IWGP US Championship defended on Dynamite is awesome. The fact that Nagata is going to be on Dynamite is fucking great. I just got to say, dude, I mean, I'm just looking towards the Keeping It Strong style guys right now. And I'm just looking at them being like, hey, guys, uh, you want to talk about this? Yeah, we're going to have to uh, get them on. Blue
2: Justice himself, Yuji Nagata, is coming to back to TNT because he was on the episode of Nitro. He
1: was on WCW I knew you were going to say that uh,
2: he is coming back to TNT he was on an episode of WCW Nitro a long time ago in a ridiculous costume I barely remember it but you got is a real deal. He's a New Japan guy, and the fact that you know he got to America, he's gonna be on New Japan Strong. It's gonna be uh, Moxley and Chris Dickinson versus New- uh, Nagata and I don't remember. So they hate me. Oh, I got it. Ren Narita, Ren Narita. Uh, so it'll be Nagata and Narita versus Moxley and Dickinson, and that's on May seventh. So that is two days after two days after uh, Blood and Guts. So, make sure you check it out, New Japan Strong, on NewJapanWorld.com, NJPWWorld.com. If you want to check out New Japan Strong, it's free with your subscription. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to get Moxley. And, you know, just like last time, okay, you get Moxley in this match, and then, okay, now Nagata's going to be on Dynamite. That is so awesome that this is how a working relationship normally works. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yeah. You John Moxley has an exclusive contract in America where he only can work for AEW. Okay, we understand. We uh AEW understands that because of the restrictions, we of course don't want, you know, John Moxley to get stuck in Japan. Okay, he can work on your new Japan strong show. But you gotta give us something. He is defending the United States title. He is feeling defending another company's belt on AEW. Uh, not the first time that's happened, but this is, will be
1: pretty awesome. It's going to be very awesome. I'm all for it. Before we got the main event, too, we had a quick little moment where Miro ambushed Kip Sabian and slammed his hand with a door. And just like like we said, Kip's just going to be the whipping boy, it seems like, for Miro. As he's just continuing to just build up for when he wants to ch- start challenging people for their gold and wants to win their championships. So, I love how dangerous Miro looks, though, and he, he's a beast. I love him just turning on Kip and just being like, you know what? No, fuck this. I'm just going to kill people because it makes sense. It just makes a lot of sense. But after that, it's the TNT Championship match with Darby Allen facing off against Ten. And, of course, Excalibur made the great call of how Ten was handpicked by the Exalted One, Mr. Brody Lee. And... Darby Allen has been doing this championship run of defending the TNT title, like the one of the greatest TNT champions of all time, if not the greatest TNT champion of all time, Mister Brody Lee, giving another opportunity to members of the Dark Order for the championship. And ten, and Darby Allen did really, really wo- good work together. Uh, I was really surprised of how kind of heelish I saw, like like a lot of fire in Darby Allen. I wouldn't necessarily say full heelish, but the tearing of Ten's mask was huge. I loved how Darby was just going after Ten and then he was able to really just fight back and then Ten eventually threw Darby through a steel through the steel barricade. Stared also stared down Sting at one point, which I thought was really dope. But these two guys went at it to do a really strong main event for the TNT Championship. I love how much that Darby putting on the TNT Championship and defending it has been showcased on Dynamite. They have consistently given Darby one of the biggest spotlights on Dynamite these last few weeks, and it's awesome. Ten got a full Nelson in on Darby Allen, but he pushed off of the turnbuckle and got a quick pin on 10 to retain the title. But then afterwards, let me ask you a question. What's his shoulder down? I, you'd have to look on Twitter and stuff like that. I think, it, was, I think it, it could be argued, I think.
2: I'm just saying, I have put people in full Nelsons, and I have been put in a full Nelson many times. If you actually have your hand clasped in a full Nelson, it is pretty hard to have your shoulder down. Yeah, I, mean, yeah I,
1: do, I do. I do think that they might have a, some grievances to follow with TK, supposedly. No, but they—you can even tell on
2: the replay if anybody wants to go back and look back—they go one, two, three, and they just slip away from it as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah, exactly. And
2: that should—that told you everything you needed to know about whether his shoulder was down, and they, they just like, uh, okay. Also.
1: Yeah. Also, I will say, too, uh, before the finish of the match, too, Ethan Page uh, 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 came out and proceeded to uh, secretly, while the referee wasn't looking, jump over the barricade and ram Darby Allen's head into the post. And Ted nearly was able to get the win on that, but it wasn't to be. So Darby was able to withstand the attack by Ethan Page. And then after that was over, too, immediately Scorpio Sky jumps in and decides to ambush sting putting him in a heel hook and ethan page uh continued to beat up darby allen and then again lance archer shows up and chases off ethan page and scorpio sky and that's the closing moments of this dynamite as blood and guts is up next
2: yes uh this was uh this was a pretty amazing moment i I love what they're doing with ethan page and scorpio sky two people that might not have the most charisma. I, I think Ethan Page has more than Scorpio Sky. So I. I'll think, disagree. I'll disagree with that. Uh, as far as cutting promos and all that stuff, I think yeah. But whatever, you know, whatever. Uh, I just think them together brings it out of each other more, and they they work together as a group. Even though they'll be in singles matches or whatever, they kind of work together as a group, uh, really well. And um, this uh, this ending. Uh, it looks like it's building up to a uh, Darby Allen, Lance Archer versus Ethan Page and uh, Scorpio Scott match because I, I don't think Sting's going to wrestle. I mean, I guess he I could, wouldn't think so, but I don't think he's going to wrestle. I think Lance Archer's is going to kind of work as his proxy, uh, but I do like how 10 came out to uh, try to save him this match. I love that you, you a constant story they're telling in AEW since the beginning is the edge a person has to have as the champion? Cody had it. He you know, towards the end of his run, he did some things that weren't just straight babyface to keep the title. And that's what Darby Allen's having to do. He's realizing that's the pressure of being the champion. That is the pressure of getting, uh, you know, the other teams, other wrestlers. Best output when you've been working over and over and over again, and I just think it's a brilliant story to tell. I think it it works out perfectly with these uh people uh has in so when I look at it and I look at it all together, uh, I can just see where they're going to in uh forward with Darby. I could see him almost. i could actually see him losing the title like Cody did in like a dominant fashion because. He has just beat himself up so much.
1: Yeah, honestly. And they, like I said, they've done nothing but good things for making Darby pretty much like they said, he's the face of the network. They've given him such a huge spotlight. He is one of their top guys and I'm all for it. Darby's been incredible and it's just been a lot of fun to see his rise. And yeah, I think Ethan Page and Scorpio sky working together is also really good for both guys. And Yeah, if we get that match between Lance and Darby versus Ethan and and, uh, Scorpio, that'll be fun. But regardless, that was this week's Dynamite, which was a very strong Dynamite. But I feel like it's just the prelude for Blood and Guts. Because when we get into that show, it's going to be absolutely fucking insane, I feel like. And while there was a couple things on this show that I felt like um, could be viewed as a miss, I still think this was a really good show. And it's just, like I said... The build is all towards Blood and Guts. This show, we're finally getting the match we were supposed to get last year that was supposed to be the the Elite versus the, the Inner Circle, but now we get it with the Pinnacle in the Inner Circle. This is going to be absolutely fucking insane, and I'm all for it. I love every single person in this match. And the, the rest of the show, like I said, is going to be great too, and we're going to talk about the preview for Blood and Guts in full pretty real quick but floyd anything else you want to say on this on this episode of dynamite
2: i think this was a good go home show for blood and guts uh unfortunately the ratings number was a little low because our presidents always decide to make announcements on wednesday Yep, (laughs) he decided to address congress on wednesday i don't you know there's certain things i imagine the dv number dvr numbers will be pretty amazing because we don't ever get the plus three but I imagine the DVR numbers, especially this week, were pretty high. You know, because, you know, you got 800,000-something fans that are just going to watch it no matter what. And then yeah. then you have some people like, oh, this is kind of the country. This is a little more important to me. Which I don't blame them at all. It's just, yeah, it made the number look weird. But I thought this was a very solid episode. Darby is booked on top. He is that... uh He's getting pushed into that tier one level of wrestling. Absolutely. So he's been in the main event, what, a few weeks in a row? So he's the guy right now.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. So face of the network right there. So that's that's just proof enough for you. Yeah. Let's really quickly, though, get into the preview for Blood and Guts, which, again, is not going to be a one match show like we were originally believed to be. Uh, of course, we're going to get the Blood and Guts match between the Inner Circle and Pinnacle. Britt Baker will be in action. We're going to get the Kenny Omega and Nakazawa match as they face team up to face up against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Cody Rhodes will be getting his singles match against QT Marshall. And we will also be getting a four-way tag elimination match between SCU, Jurassic Express, Varsity Blondes, and The Acclaimed, which is is really intriguing to me because once again, SCU has said if they lose as a tag team, they will be done. So this seems to me like a match that is going to be putting over SCU. Uh,
2: uh, absolutely. I, and I, I was going to have a bone to pick with this. So this is the perfect time for me to pick your bone. You Gark all this hard. You win all these matches to be the number one contender. Then you have to win a match to get your title shot.
1: Yeah. I After felt like they already had all the all the they had all the <laughs> negotiating powers that they need to get their title match, but then TK's just like nope. nope you got elimination it. match. You yeah. gotta face up against Jurassic Express, varsity blondes and the acclaimed.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. It's just like I said, it's kinda weird to me.
1: It is a little weird, but of course we're gonna get your boy Cody wrestling once again against QT, finally getting him something to get back in that nightmare family versus factory feud.
2: Yeah, and um, I think I mean I think QT should win. You know, you know why the whole Anthony Ogogo thing. I, I do think QT needs to win this match, or it, or Anthony Ogogo needs to just beat the shit out of Cody after the match. I could see it going a couple of different ways. Like I could see Cody just winning in the squash, and then Anthony Ogogo, you know, punching him in the stomach and calling it a night. But it's just it's interesting to see where it's going. Uh, I want all these matches to be over by um, 8, though, or 9, your time. Uh, and I want, the, I want the Blood and Guts to have a full hour.
1: Yes, 100%, though. This, it, while, while Blood and Guts isn't going to be a full one-match show like we thought, though, you need to give Blood and Guts the time that it needs.
2: Yeah, and, and it's just like you think each person, the first section is five minutes, and then each section is two minutes. I think that's at least 30 minutes that you got right there. And then you have Blood and Guts, which, of course, shouldn't be a long match because, you know, these people are trying to hurt each other. And they're not trying to, like, win. They're trying to hurt each other. And, you know, it, you know, I think it's uh, somebody has to quit. I think that's the rule on this one. So,
1: well, they said you're going to have to kill us.
2: Yeah. So that's going to be, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I just think this is going to be the most violent thing that anyone has seen. Uh, I, I I think it has the ability to... I, I mean, AEW has been steady and consistent. But, you know, you always have that moment, that episode, that show that really sparks, you know, you to that next level. I truly think this could be the match that does that.
1: I agree. I 100% agree. But... Real quick, I think we have one little piece of rumor news that we want to talk about before we wrap up this episode of All Things Elite. So, Floyd, what do you want to tell us about what we've been hearing recently?
2: We have been hearing recently it's been reported on many sites that Daga uh, and his wife the more controversial name, Tessa Blanchard has signed with AEW. That they have signed with AEW. Now, I have been a big proponent of Tessa, if, you know, the locker room's good and everything, signing with AEW. I think she is one of the best, if not the best women's wrestlers in the world. Daga is a talent. I, honestly, I've seen him wrestle. He doesn't do a lot for me, personally. But, you know, I tend to see people in a different light when they get into AEW. So, maybe there's a difference. But, yeah, them both signing uh, with uh, Tessa's controversial... Comments in the alleged comments in the past, you know, I didn't know how that would work, and you know, Dave had been up to a couple, but month actually a month ago that Tessa wasn't signing. AEW didn't have any interest, and Tessa wasn't signing anytime soon. So it looks like that you know they were enjoying being married. You know, they had just been married like for a year, so they were just enjoying being married. So I think. That it might be coming in. I personally do not have a problem with it. Like I said, only thing I care about is the roster. I think yeah. AEW has a very good locker room. And, you know, uh, one of their locker room leaders seems to be Swole. If you look on Twitter and everything, she's Auntie Swole. She seems to be one of the locker room leaders. And if that's the case, you know, you know, is she good with it? I'm good with it.
1: Yeah, Honestly. And I am if it really comes down to just the fact of like if the roster and the locker room is fine with her signing and there's no like issues between it or amends have been made and words have been said and uh, apologies have been said or whatever the situation is, if everything's cool in the back and there's no bad heat whatsoever with anybody, She's still a talent, and I think she still can be used and While some people I think still may not like her, I don't think they can deny though that she is unbelievably talented and that she is worth a look at least in a e w and there that's she, she was the men's champion in impact she, she was tell,
2: she was that's that huge Tell you how. Much of an impact. I mean, much of an impact. How much of a talent she is? She's a very talented wrestler. I'm like, and if you're talking about that name, I don't know if she's a super draw, but I, I say always said there's no Chris Jericho of the women's division. No. No, but she's a star. She's a legit international women's star. You know what I mean? Companies have been built. Programs have been built around her. Now, now she has, has she been in WWE? No, but you know she's she's pretty much the biggest women's star you that's available that you can get.
1: At the end of the day, if people are cool with her being there and the other wrestlers are cool with her being there, then I don't see any issue. It's yeah. just like that's i feel like that's just the end of the day and if these rumors are true i'm excited to see what she does and i'm excited to see what uh dago does as well we'll see if they end up keeping him on just like say i don't want to know if they like if they keep him on dark or if he ends up doing stuff with tessa but regardless
2: no he's considered a legit star so he would be on dynamite and stuff that's what i I would assume like i said uh, he would be there i just don't know like is he gonna be with a certain group or whatever that's the whole thing when your roster is as deep as AEW's is right now they're going to start being a lot more picky on who they bring in yes because they just there's only a certain amount of TV so yeah
1: yep exactly
2: there there's only a certain amount of TV and in, every week you can see every week online somebody's complaining about their person not getting enough TV time there's only two hours on national TV. The rest of the time is elevation and dark, and you know, it is what it is at this point. They'll get that extra hour, but again, that's only an extra hour with literally a huge roster. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, AEW has a huge roster right now. I think they have a good fifteen twenty women, and I don't, I'd say fifty or sixty men. <laughs> so. So I, and, and not including the contracted talent that just kind of work every week. Yeah, so getting them on the TV is getting them on TV is getting TV time or putting you on TV is like they believe you because they believe in you because it is very valuable right now
1: absolutely but with that final piece of news out of the way that final piece of rumor news that I think will wrap it up for this episode of all things elite so thank you guys so much for being a part of this show thank you guys so much for listening if you guys enjoy the show be sure to continue to download it and share it around whether you listen to us on Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts Spotify wherever you listen to us share us around with your friends family co-workers whoever you wish and download the show leave rating and reviews let us know how we're doing you can also leave a donation through Red Circle. We are at, at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is the podcasting network that makes this show possible and has a bunch of other great shows that you should check out. I am at S 4 on Twitter and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And as we lead into Blood and Guts next week, I'm going to let Floyd take us home for this episode of All Things Elite.
2: All right. Uh, I just want to say to everybody, I hope. You are all having a good year as we open back up. You still, you know, keep wearing your mask, social distance, all that stuff. I mean, of course, the numbers are coming down, but just make sure you're looking out for everybody. I know I, I bring this up often, but it is completely selfish reason. I just want my world back I want to travel again. I just I want to breathe that fresh air without a mask on. And to get to that, we got to wear masks now. But, again, be nice to each other, love each other, take care of each other. And when you're on Twitter, just remember there are real people on the other side of those accounts. I, 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 I know that's a, like a kumbaya message or whatever, but you don't got to be mean on Twitter. You don't, I don't think anybody listens to this show is mean on Twitter. But just in case, tell your other friends not to be mean on Twitter. But always remember, whether it is home, work, or school, Always do your best to be a Ill-